You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 113, early covers of Deep Purple songs. And coming to you from the technologically upgraded suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the technologically behind suburbs of Providence, Rhode Island, (laughs) I'm your co-host, John Calzone Matola. I do like a nice calzone. You know what I like? A nice MLT. A nice MLT. With a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich where the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato ripe. They're so perky. I love that. There's... <laughs> uh, so, so did you have a mutton calzone? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds absolutely disgusting. No, I had, um, no, ooh, no. Um, I had small, small segments of three leftover calzones. I think it was a barbecue, barbecue chicken. Mm. It's delicious. Um, eggplant and I think sausage and broccoli. Mm. They're really good. Really good. I had um I had some um I had some people over. We're vaccinated. Don't worry. <laughs> and um, you know, we like, you know, we ordered out and you know, there was leftover, and I am one of those people that does not throw out leftovers. So no. I like just throw everything in the freezer. So leftover, come on. Nope, that was dinner. I was going to go with like a nice, uh, you know, big salad with spinach and everything. And then I'm like, no, I'll have a calzone instead. <laughs> calzones. There was a place in my hometown Sometimes that did a, uh, a calzone that was a, um, it was a uh, buffalo chicken eggplant calzone. It was really good, which sounded kind of like a weird combination, but it was good. Hmm. My, my roommate turned me on to that. It was a giant, you know, it was a giant one. It was a base. Uh, it came in a pizza box. It was an entire pizza just folded over, not like a little oh, yeah, mini yeah. one. So we just order it like that and then you cut off yeah, yeah. big chunks of it. And uh, yeah, he, or, he, one time he got super, super drunk and he was up all night, like being sick. And then like the next morning or afternoon, I guess for lunch, he was like, oh, I'm going to order buffalo chicken ke- eggplant calzone. I was like, ah, wouldn't it be my first choice based on how your last night went. And he, he had some and then got immediately sick again. <laughs> Uh, you know, blue cheese isn't usually my go-to <laughs> <laughs> after being profoundly feeling very sick. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And I love Ooh, blue nice cheese, but <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna gonna have to gonna have to. I go at least 24 hours <laughs> with no blue cheese after that. It's very easy. So hey, listen up, everybody. <laughs> if you want to help support the Deep Purple podcast, I bet at this point you know exactly what to do. Firstly, you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that helps new people discover the show and it inflates our egos, most importantly. You could buy merch at our Etsy store, t-shirts, mugs. Yeah, I think we're out of hoodies, right? I think we're out of hoodies. And then you can also become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. So if you're driving to work or cleaning the dishes, mowing the lawn, listening to us, letting these two fools entertain you and you're getting value out of that, then why not give us a little value back? Help support the show. Help us make some technological upgrades, which we have made since the last episode. Um, 
uh, I have installed a, t a tiny little device here to record the video. So it's taken the, the stress off of my main audio computer and I'm recording the video on this other computer and John and I tested it out and so far it's working. So that's why we're technologically upgraded. And then we had a little miss. Yes. Well, a little snafu on John's side with what we ordered to upgrade mm -hmm. him. So there's a new device arriving Thursday to to help him better and more easily record his audio. The end result to you listeners is probably going to be minimal. It might get rid of some of the crackle in the YouTube video, which will be, you know, nice for the the 100 people that have ever watched one of our videos. Um, but for the main audio podcast, there shouldn't be a terrible difference, but it will make it a little more seamless for us. So. Always looking at ways we can upgrade. And speaking of upgrading, what better upgrades to humanity than our executive level patrons? These are upgraded, highly upgraded individuals. At the $20 Shades of Deep Pockets tier, we have Ryan M. At the $15 Highball Shooter tier, Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Frank Teelgard Mortensen, Clay Wambacher, and Mickelstein. At the $10 Someone Came tier, Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWorldToStage.net, Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly, Victor Campos, and of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention the one and only Richard Fusey. Thank you so much to all of you for your support of this endeavor that we call the Deep Purple Podcast. Now, we've got a, uh, we got a new hot off the presses uh, Wait. Yeah, this is a, a brand new podcast review coming to us from the UK of all places. Another UK. Hi this is Professor Zimmer. Five stars. Subject, fantastic podcast. It's great to hear these guys talk about the music I love so much. It makes me go back and listen to the albums all over again. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Professor Zimmer. I want, now I'm wondering, we've got Dr. Jill Brees. Is Professor Zimmer a real professor? You'll have to ask him. <laughs> throw you off. <laughs> when I ask you a question, you're like, huh, what? <laughs> Professor Zimmer. Well, well I mean, sometimes the, 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 the snappy comebacks just like, just like <laughs> jump into my head. And other times I'm like, nah, this, I got nothing. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be a comeback, but at any rate, Professor, or, you know, you, a joke or something like that. Like, Professor, I hardly know her. Oh, like that. What? Get out of here with that. <laughs> that was really Italian, wasn't it? What you get out of here with that? Eh. No, I'm man. only half Italian. No, so. you, no, yours was just terrible. Yours was terrible. That was I like was terrible. brick wall comedy with the big <laughs> with the big hook. No. Hey. <laughs> and how about that get airplane food? Ooh. Um, but yeah, professor, if you want to become a patron and, and become the first professor patron, of course, there's probably like 10 patrons that'll be like, I'm a professor. Actually, I forgot to tell you. Um, so yeah, we'll have to, uh, I'll get some honest patrons. Have to see. We do. We have honest, good intentioned and just well, well-read and well-versed patrons. We, we love them all. So, Hey, this week we have a little bit of a different episode and dare I say a shorter one. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we actually did have a shorter one. So maybe this time it'll work too. I'm going to call it a shorter episode. We're trying to get a few of those shorter ones in there for people. Um, but this, this came from a little sort of, uh, I'd seen this posted somewhere. It was a, a cover 
of a deep purple song, but the, the but the cover was from 1970 and it's a, a cover of the song uh, Bloodsucker, one of my favorite um, Mark II songs. So I, mm. I immediately saw that and I said, well, a cover of Bloodsucker, I'm all in. And then when I saw the cover was from 1970, like the same year that In Rock came out, I said, wow, that's got to be one of the earliest covers around. So then, of course, it turned into kind of a, uh, a back and forth with people posting different uh different covers that they could find. Ian DeRosier sent one of uh, Into the Fire, and then Jorg sent some. Uh, Jorg sent quite a few, actually. Um, and yeah, so I thought it would be fun to kind of listen to some of these early covers and think what, th- think about this in the time frame of, of when it was released and listen to actual contemporaries of Deep Purple doing covers of their songs shortly after they were released. Kind of the same way Deep Purple mm, did, that's... right? Hush, because Hush, Hush was a Hush was released um, not too long after the, or, or, or they they released it. I think maybe a year later after that song was released. So it's interesting yeah. to hear other bands now trying to trying to jump on their songs. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting when a a band did uh, contemporaries did covers of each other's stuff, even like you know within a year or two of each other, because it's like it's almost like you think covers are reserved for like doing a really old song or some somebody that's really influential. And usually that, you know, it spans, you know, years and years or it's a classic or something like that. Instead, it's like, even like, what was the, um, the, the Zephyr episode where like, Oh, that, that one was only from like six years earlier. And that right, seemed, yep. you know, early, you know, because I mean, you think about it now, six years earlier from now, would be like um, what twenty fourteen, and to think about doing a cover of a song from twenty fourteen is like it's still new, you know. <laughs> well, I guess it's all it's all relative too. When you're when you're twenty one doing a cover of a six year old song, you're like, oh, this is old school. This is like a vintage song. But when you're forty, yeah. 40, whatever we are thinking about doing a song from six years ago. It's just kind of laughable, but yeah, I I, I kind of feel the same way. Like I feel like when I think of a cover, you you go more more classic. Um, and I guess over time it's, that's kind of, I wonder when the cutoff was or when that became maybe the more of the default, because if you go back into the sixties and seventies, people were covering things that had just come out. Um, and we're, we're definitely right. It's, it's just, it would seem almost awkward or inappropriate to do that. Now, if a band comes out with a hit song and then like three months later, you release it as a single, they're like, yeah, we're still listening to the other one. Um, but, it, but in this well, case, be like, yeah, you know, like here's our version and then people don't care. They don't like, ah, who gives a shit? <laughs> it was yeah. like back then you had everybody like, like, um, uh, like I, I don't off the top of my head have, um, the, um, like know how far away was it, but I'm um, like, how old was like some of Bob Dylan stuff when Jimi Hendrix was doing it? Yeah. I mean, I think like all along the watchtower, um, Could, couldn't have been that, right? Um, I think it old, was, right? it was a few years old. Um, Let's see. I'll, uh, or even I'll, like uh, Deep Purple doing like the uh, the Beatles stuff. Yeah, because so yeah, like, they did uh, Help, which would have been what sixty five, and they did it in sixty eight. So it was only three years old at that point. Um, yeah. See, so there's a couple right there. Yeah, all along the Watchtower looks like it came out. BobDylan.com. You let me down. Why didn't I go to Wikipedia? Bob, why did I think oh, BobDylan.com would have any like actual pertinent information? So he says, yeah, the song appeared in 1967 and Hendrix's would have been 
pretty 68, <laughs> 69 at the tops. Yeah, I mean, right. He died in 70, right? So, I mean, if uh, he didn't do it the same year, he did it a year or two later. So, I mean, it's like there's, you know, I guess that was that was just kind of standard back then. Yeah, it was electric. It was um, electric Ladyland, which I would think was 68. So, yeah, he did it, you know, months later or at the most a year later. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it also depends, too, on like if um, a song is um, popularized by another artist, because I if, if I'm and I mean, I don't know anything about Bob Dylan um, other than, you know, everybody doing his covers. But um, the original all along the Watchtower, like Bob Dylan's version, I don't think was really as popular, at least now it doesn't have the kind of, uh, you know, uh, notoriety that Hendrix's version does. So it's like, you know, sometimes a songwriter, my point is they write a song and they have original version of it. Sometimes the, the cover version gets more famous because it's done by somebody that's, you know, become more famous or legendary or, you know, what have you. I mean, look at, um, Joe Cocker is another one. Um, yeah, doing, the, doing yeah. the Beatles songs maybe two or three years later, most. And mm-hmm. in that case, those were like obviously um, huge I, hits that he was doing just a couple years later. And mm-hmm. Hendrix was doing it really soon after. But Hendrix also, well, I guess Joe Cocker really did make the, the, those songs his own and put a different spin on it. And same thing with Hendrix. Right. I mean, if you hear the original Bob Dylan all along the watchtowers, like, it's like very like, and it's just, I, if I remember correctly, it's like just him and an acoustic guitar. And I remember like, I've always loved the, the Hendrix version of that. So I was like, Oh, I got to hear the original. And I listened to it. And I was like, wow, this kind of stinks. It just doesn't have the, the, it doesn't have the character of like the Hendrix version. And um, I think there's a lot of examples of covers of songs that, eclipse the original because they're just more interesting um of course bob dylan fans would probably crucify me for saying that but um i i I think i think it it depends if you're doing like a a big hit i guess it's one thing if you're doing more of a b or a b side but like a a deep cut that's a different thing and i think all along the watchtower i'm sure was never released as as a single um right or even there's um I'm trying to think of um like if we're just kind of hanging around the sixties there. Another one was um or another kind of popular one was um uh Cream Crossroads, which mm-hmm. I mean is like um was a uh, uh a blues standard, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that the original was, you know, people knew it, but I mean if you're like a rock fan, then you know, that's the one that you know. And that's the one that you go to and everything. It's like, oh, actually, it was written by blah, blah, blah back in, you know, the early 60s or something. It's like, you know, nobody that likes 60s or 70s rock is really going to, you know, uh, know yeah, that. Yeah, it's cross, uh, Crossroads uh, uh, was uh, Robert Johnson. It was from the 30s. So. That, oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. See, so, I mean. I thought it was yeah, going to be been like, around for a while. I mean, yeah. And like Lemon, Lemon Boy Jim or something like that. They were namely. Was it blind lemon Jefferson or something? <laughs> <laughs> lemon. Uh, lemon boy. Oh, uh, you know, blues guys. Um, 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 sour grapes. Uh, sour grapes. Whatever. <laughs> 
I pooped out on that one. Sour grapes with McKillicuddy. Sour grapes McKillicuddy. I like that. <laughs> there was, you know what? That reminds, I, I can't remember. There was a, um, you know, we'll have to find it later. Maybe like, um, maybe we can find it after we record. But there was like a, um, I remember there was like a kind of a montage of like, uh, it reminds me of a Simpsons. And it's like, who even knows? I don't even know which season it could have been. It could have been like after the classic seasons, but they were talking about a blues fest or a music fest. And it was one of those things with like featuring such acts as, and they were just like rapid fire showing them. (laughs) And they were like these ridiculous names. And it was like, it was hilarious. But they had ones like that. They just like, you know, China boy fats, you know, and (laughs) that's a good one. (laughs) You know, fat skeezics and the, Blow jug party band. <laughs> Blow jug. <laughs> I am. I'm just. I don't know. He's riffing, folks. He's riffing. Um, I'm riffing. I'm not. I don't know. I don't really have it tonight. Well, a lot of these, uh, with the, with one exception, I would say a, a lot of these early covers are from bands that most people would not be super familiar with. Um, yeah. So the the one that I found, which is the one we'll play first, um, if I can figure out how to do this screen share on this new setup here. Um, hopefully this works. Um, I don't think we tried to screen share the other day when we tested this out. So um, oh. the one that I'm going to start it off with is one uh, it's by a band called Bakery. It's kind of a funny name for a band. Uh, they were they're from Perth, Australia, and they formed in 1970 and broke up pretty soon thereafter. And this is... How's that screen share look? Uh, looks looks like the like usual. No, nope, it's got my shoes there though. Are those your shoes, it. or is that just a stock photo? It's one thing. Those are my shoes, actually. Those were. Um, oh, okay. My wife had like some sort of coupon. Th- that picture is almost twenty years old, but oh, it was. Uh, th- that's when we lived in New York, and she had some sort of coupon that you could. Um, customize your own shoes like you'd go and pick the pick the color of every single thing and it had right they had writing on the back of it i think they were nikes they were really mm-hmm. comfortable and i you, i did it all online and then they they shipped the shoes out like a few weeks later after they were made it's kind of cool um but uh anyway this is oh you know what i think i might have to since i'm recording the video on this computer it's another thing i didn't think of oh no i guess it will be this screen I guess we'll see. I'll check out the YouTube video this week. You guys will be our guinea pigs. All right, this is from a band called Bakery from Perth, Australia, 1970. The song, as previously stated, Bloodsucker. Is it playing? A bit of an unusual start to the song. Oh, you know what? Yep, no, you can't. Technical, technical difficulties, folks. That's what I I don't said. know where any of my windows are to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> where is my control? Ah, oh, there it is. They're kind of a weird beginning. Ah, I'm I like, knew. yeah, I hear, I hear nothing. Yeah, you'll hear something, but here we go. We're going to start it again, folks. Oh, my God, technical difficulties. Wait, that didn't work. Okay, let's <laughs> edit this out. Here we go. As we get used to the new setup, this is Bakery Bloodsucker. 
Sounds like they go with the Mark One intro. Yeah, right. Like, it'd be like a twelve-minute song. Did that say Blackmore, Gillen, Glover, Lord, and Race? <laughs> yeah, they spell, they spell Lord and Pace. They really got Pace wrong. Sounds like the guy's in like a, a closet. But it's funny, it starts off so unusual with the organ. You're like, this is going to be a whacked out version, but it's pr pretty straightforward. <laughs> the production is a little rough. It um, it almost but, sounds like really like a like 60s garage bandy, you know? Yeah. It almost it makes me think like if you heard this you'd be like oh this is this is like the not great version of the song that the original band recorded and Deep Purple recorded it and made it better. Yeah, yeah, this was the demo. <laughs> yeah, this is not this is not a great this is, version. This of is this. the demo with their the original singer they kicked out. I'm not a wannabe, I'm a oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, oh no! Oh no! Is right. No, that is. Oh no, no, no! I mean, if you can look past the production, though, I mean, it's a pretty decent, faithful version of it. Yeah. It sounds like more. It sounds older than the Deep Purple one. It sounds like it's from the like the sixties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like every time he gets to that part, he's like, it's almost like he forgets. Oh, no, I got to try to do that again. <laughs> uh, it just really makes you appreciate yelling. Not like you need much. <laughs> Not like you need much. Like they're just droning on that open note in the background, but they should be going down, 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 down. right? Don't they on the original? Got some Richie-esque bends there. Oh, he's giving that a little love. I mean, the, the, the solos aren't awful. I mean, they're not up to, they're definitely not up to purple standards, but I mean, they're like, no, they're pretty, they do a reasonable, reasonably good job. They're pretty good. The overall production is fairly terrible. Yeah, definitely sounds like a demo. And the the production on the vocals, like I, I think he nails the, 
everything other than the oh no no part he does a pretty good job of in his own style. The no 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 is probably a little bit of a stretch for his range. And then it sounds like he's in a closet. The Bakery. It's a great name for a band. Yeah, this uh, this bakery is not fresh. <laughs> this is a this is a day old bakery. still in the background <laughs> no! I think he's like he's trying to get out of the closet like the shoes are falling out of and stuff oh! no 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 <laughs> a trippy little ending there I mean, without, without knowing who the bakery is, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't order. A, I wouldn't order a cake from this bakery. <laughs> what about some rolls or anything? Wouldn't order any rolls a either. Bagel? I'm afraid they would be a biali. <laughs> a biali. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's funny. <laughs> um, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a bakery deep cut. Maybe that's one of their deep cut tracks. Biali. Um, Bialis. I remember. Um, when one of the first bakeries I worked in was a there was a girl I worked with that didn't know what to call them, so she called them biologies. <laughs> biologies. <laughs> She's like, do, do we have any of those biologies? I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I like how some some like people will see just like the a first couple of letters of a word, and then they just like, oh, I'll just freestyle for the rest of the word. <laughs> I just, just, you know, I see, I see two or three letters. I got this. I don't need to look at the rest (laughs) of the letters. I know what this Uh. is going to be. It's like my kids did that when they were like learning how to read. They, you know, would, would try to guess what the word is when they weren't sure. And then, you know, they get more confident than they can actually read. But it kind of reminds me, you see some adults that do that. (laughs) I had a guy the other day, I, I had to call somebody for like, whatever, like customer service for something. I can't even remember. But, you know, usually they see my name and they panic and they, nobody ever gets it right. And he, he just went, uh, Nathan Burr. <laughs> he just kind of like, he just <laughs> kind of, he just stopped. He's like, and, I, he, and he was like, up. he was like, is, he was like, is that right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's, let's keep, let's keep it moving. <laughs> it doesn't matter how Nathan you pronounce Burr. my name. Burr. He, he just it was like he turned off a, a robot like, burr. <laughs> like somebody powered they him down the switch in the back and he went burr. <laughs> exactly his battery died uh, i was like nice try. i was like man that like he totally panicked like come on man you could at least try something i mean people mispronounce it all the time you just got the first like sound <laughs> like 
That's like, have you ever seen, um, I mean, of course, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where the um, where the, the delivery guy comes on, um, I think it was Christmas oh, yeah, Eve, yeah, yeah. and so he, he opens the door and he's like, I have a letter for Clark W. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of trails off. <laughs> it's very, very realistic. <laughs> and for years, I never, I never noticed that. And then the time that I caught it, I thought it was the funniest thing. He's like, yeah, I got a letter here for Clark W. <laughs> That's very, just very accurate. Like, That's just, I just, I just uh, started with a G and then I just gave up. That's what it sounds like they did with your name. Yep. All the time. So, but so anyway, that was- the bakery, um, the bakery's version of um, Bloodsucker, I feel like that this was a, um, you know what, it sounded like it was kind of like a garage band or like, you know, maybe like a amateur band, you know, a bunch of kids, whatever. And they just kind of did a recording of a song that they liked by their favorite new band. And yeah, or they needed an extra song. I mean, we they needed an extra song for the yeah. album. They were one song short, and they just say, "Oh, you know, we really like that new Deep Purple song. Let's learn it in, in an afternoon and, and throw it together." But I mean, it sounds like um, I mean, a lot of you know, kind of amateur recordings that you know we ourselves had done. So it's like, um, you know, not everything is uh, not everything is uh, gold. <laughs> That's true. Um, all right, next up we got. The band is called Suck, and their album, (laughs) which is great, right? I hope it doesn't. We'll we'll, we'll be Uh, the judge of that. And the album is called Time to Suck, and the song is Into the Fire. All right, this sounds a lot, a little more psychedelic type version. Yeah. I mean, the vocals at least have some production to it. Well, for all the... uh, For all the reverb that was not present on Bakery, maybe Suck stole their reverb unit because this guy's vocals are... They they just sucked it away from... They sucked it away from them. I mean, the, the musically, they're pretty faithful. You know, they're just trying to copy the originals, basically. Yep. This was a South African I'll tell you, the, um, uh, band. Oh, okay. And they were, they were also one of the earliest... I say, it really makes you appreciate their production of Deep Purple. Like, you yep. know? This, this was uh, sent to us by Ian DeRosier and... It was recorded somewhere. They were only around for about eight months between 1970 and 1971, so this would have been recorded somewhere in them. But they're also, their claim to fame, I guess, is that they were one of the earliest groups to cover a Black Sabbath song. And it's on this same huh. album. Well, on a, re- or on a reissue of this album, they do a cover of War Pigs. Hmm. But they also did covers of Grand Funk Railroad. King Crimson, Free, and Coliseum. So. Hmm. 
Those drums are rough. Like the playing is probably fine, but they just sound like they're totally lost. Yeah. Really makes you appreciate Martin Birch. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> the drums kind of lost it at the end there. It also sounds like there's two drum tracks, like one in each ear. It's yeah. kind of unusual. But. Well, <clears throat> I think that was a, I think that was an apt title. It was time to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Not feeling time to suck. Yeah. It's really, uh, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's very hard <laughs> to look at either of one of those. Uh, just based on the production alone, it's it's hard to give it a fair shake. But I feel like the singer was pretty like the arrangement was close to the original. The singer was pretty decent, although way over affected. And the drums were just completely lost in the background. I mean, I don't know. I think it's like at least this stuff is like it's more interesting to listen to than if you were just like. There were later versions like, uh, you know, current day or like 90s or 2000s versions of like you know um uh, more um you know um well-known bands doing covers of these on their like their greatest hits or their like you know their covers album yeah. or something you know what i mean because then that would be like oh okay here's like you know, anthrax doing a version of you know farmer's daughter it's <laughs> <laughs> the same thing i was gonna I say i mean <laughs> and anyone's daughter i mean you know what you know what I mean? It's just like stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay. Whereas like when you're listening to stuff like this, you're at least like, okay, this is a little more interesting, even if it's not good, you know. Right. Or or great. So all right. Well, that was time to suck. What else we got? Next up we got yep, time to move on. <laughs> time to move on. James Last. So James Last is a really well known um German composer and band leader. This was sent to us by York. He had sent me some James Last stuff a while ago. Um, mm -hmm. And he I was kind of known for doing these records. He put out these records of like whatever was popular at the time. And he'd do these kind of like swinging versions of the songs, uh, whatever was on his mind. And uh, huge, huge guy sold estimated 200 million albums worldwide. Um, put together a lot of these like medleys and compilation, uh, compilation albums. So he did a version of Black Knight that we're going to hear right now. So this mm. is James Last doing Black Knight. It's obviously a kind of a live presentation here. I like this uh, nonstop dancing 11. <laughs> See, now this is cool. This is uh, this is like a little bit of a different take on it. Yeah. 
And it really makes you, I mean, because Black Knight had already been a single at this point. It really does make you appreciate, obviously, the stolen riff, but the melody line as well. And you, you you figure like with the way that bands are doing their like with the orchestra albums, um, you know, over the past like, you know, 20 years or whatever it's been uh, that it, like this is like what they would be doing if Deep Purple had gone that route. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like instead of writing their own orchestral compositions, they would take their existing songs and throw like a horn section over them and stuff. Although I do enjoy stuff like this a lot. Yeah. And they did a little bit of that, like. Deep Purple did at the, uh, you know, the, when they revived the concerto, they they did, you know, ring that neck with the whole yeah. band section and and kind of and that's cool. Added that. Yeah, it's, it is cool. Look at Barry Rory Reeves and banging on those congas. Woo. But you can you can definitely get a after listening to those first two bands get a sense of the musicianship on this release you know, and this is presumably done live. They're really just knocking it out. This is you know this is awesome. This is really good. I also like it when there's like a really like full horn section in a in a song that's either really heavy or has a really good like vocal melody. Yep. kind of uh, ended it with like a Beatles chord at the end. Kind of interesting. So that was, that was really James good. Last. Yeah. James Last is no... Well, that's he's James the last first time in I want to hear that. Yeah, that's not the no. last time I want to hear that. We just, we both actually made, really good. We had competing, uh, competing bad jokes about, about his last name. <laughs> wah, wah. Oh boy. But hey, um, it's going to be the Battle of the Black Knights. Uh, not to be undone, really? there's an Italian prog group known as the Juniors, who also did oh. it. Hey, the Juniors. Oh. Hey, hey Paisan. Get out of here. They also did a version of Black Knight from 1971. Here are the Juniors. Hmm. There's some really weird album covers we're seeing here. That is a truly bizarre and disturbing album cover, like a skull with a hourglass and a ribbon tied on a disembodied hand. (laughs) He does. He sounds really Italian. Yeah. I actually like what he's doing with the vocals. It's a little bit, a little different. See, as opposed to the other two covers that we heard from the first two bands, this sounds a little more put together. 
Yeah, I think probably a, a more skilled band. It's hard to tell. The, the recording is so poor, it's hard to tell if it had bad production or if it's just a bad, scratchy record. Night. Hey, it's the nod. <laughs> Just picture like, you know, Tony Soprano and the boys sitting outside Satriali's listening to this. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, how you doing? <laughs> Everything all right? <laughs> it's not an Italian-American prog group. It's an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I, that's yeah. all I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just downtown Providence. I'm getting into this new music. It's called Prague. Prague. Was it from Czechoslovakia? No, you, you, Mama Luke. It's not a not Prague. Czechoslovakia. Prague. Progressive. <laughs> I mean, this is interesting. It's kind of fun. It's tough. They have just like a really like tinny sounding organ that's doubling on the on the riff. drum tag there pretty well. Gonna be a fast fade out here. I've heard faster. <laughs> Black that was actually not bad. Yeah, it was pretty good. I I enjoyed that. It was fun. So before we so it sounds like a little, little better produced than the other two. I think you know I mean, it wasn't like great or anything, but you know it was. Yeah, I like that. So far, the James Last or James Last is first was, in your book. Was uh, well hold we'll yeah. hold the phone because before we break up, we have one more Black Knight version to do, and this one Oy. is coming to, is coming to us from. This is this is from this South African compilation record called Springbok Hit Parade number one. This is the first one they ever released, and they released like 30 something of these these compilation albums. So Jeez. yeah, so let's check out if I can find it. Here it is. Another South African, huh? Another South African. The South Africans went gaga for deep purple. Wow. So here we go. Black Knight yes. from Springbok Hit Parade number one. It's like like firing off cannons. Sounds like they tuned up. Very cool. The vocals are very quiet in the mix. Is that a female vocalist? I thought so at first, but I don't think so. 
They also did a, ver- a song on this album called Scooby Dooby Dum Dum Day. <laughs> I kind of want to hear that one. <laughs> They did Cracklin' Rosie. And of course, the, the immortal classic, Pretty Belinda. Those are some. Uh, those are some big sound and drums. Yeah, a little too big. They should have lent some of that bigness to some of those other ones. Yeah, like was well, time to suck. Could have used a little, uh, a little more the, beef uh, in their drums. The uh, yeah, the uh, the Kiss Creatures of the Night album called, and they want their drum sound back. <laughs> Hi-yo. <laughs> a little Kiss humor for you there. I mean, it's kind of cool in like a fuzzed out kind of way. Yeah. You know, where you hear something that's just so like over distorted that you're like, yeah, this is heavy. (laughs) It's like, I don't even have my headphones up that loud, but I feel like I feel like it's hurting my ears anyway, just because of the distortion. (laughs) Everything's like totally distorted. It sounds like Ooh. it sounds like he was playing the drum beat and they just kicked him in the entire drum set down the stairs. She's rolling down the stairs. Bah, 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 bah. Might have kicked the guitar player down the stairs too. <laughs> and do a little fade out on the solo. So there's three versions of Black Another Knight. Quick fade. Three early versions of Black Knight, if you don't count the songs that Black Knight was stolen from. So if you had to rank those three versions of Black Knight, how would you rank them? Uh, I definitely think that the uh, the um, which was the first James, James last, last yeah was definitely the the first uh, the Italian prog band second and this one third so pretty much the order that we listened yeah. to them in yeah I would I would have how to I agree. enjoyed them I think that James last one was like um, you know um, I mean I don't I don't know that the production was really great on any of them or at least the versions that we heard but I think it was like the kind of the most um enjoyable version was the one with the horn section uh, although i'm partial to stuff like that as well you know yeah. i thought it was the kind of the most creative uh the most uh you know different one it's kind of like when um the the um uh, the the heavy metal pat boone album came out and he did all yep. of those like big band versions of like metal songs i mean everybody was like ha 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 but it's like i was like secretly i was like kind of cool you know oh yeah there's some cool stuff in that cuz i like well, I like reinterpreting of of songs like that. Like when you take like a, a heavy song and, you know, uh, kind of turn it around like that and do like a, a big band or an orchestral or like, you know, even a, 
you know, a ballad acoustic version or something more so than when you take one of those songs and do a metal version of it. I kind of like hearing like a more diverse take on it. Yeah, so. that's a good point. Like the, the difference between a, 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 a an orchestra doing a, or a big band doing a song like this versus, you know, some shredder trying to do Paganini or something and like, ah, oh, look, check it out. I'm doing classical. I mean, Which it's, works it's cool, sometimes, but, but it's, it's just so overdone. Like, yeah, exactly. Whereas this, I feel, is not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it kind of is. If you like, you know, if it was really prevalent. But I mean, it's. I don't feel it's like a whole genre of music. Like, I mean, you have like, um, um, just whatever shredders from you know Ingve down, you know, doing that kind of like classical shred, or even I don't know if he's in particular has done any covers. I'm sure he has. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know, but it's, you know what I mean? Or even like when we were talking about, um, I think a couple of episodes ago, Megadeth doing these boots. Yeah, um, yeah. That was cool at the time, but I don't know that like a ton of bands were doing that kind of thing yet. So it was cool because nobody had really done it, but then it's just like, oh, let's do like a, you know, a Partridge Family song, but a death metal version. It's like, all right, <laughs> you know, like, okay. I get it. You know, whereas... um. I don't know. I just feel like it's, um, you know, when you go inside of a, a heavier song like that and you're doing like a, uh, like a big band, an orchestra, jazz version, whatever, it's kind of like you're pulling out the, the qualities of that song that kind of highlight like, wow, this is actually like good songwriting or this is kind of like a, a creative kind of song more so than if you do a rock version of it just because like, you know, rock you know, by definition is, is kind of like, you know, you really, you know, you dumb it down. I mean, that's what rock and roll was, was it supposed to be like, you know, simple kind of music from the gut, you know, and, but, you know, now I'm getting off on tangents. So. Well, before you take us off on another tangent, let's uh, take a little break to, to thank our core level patrons coming in at the $6, 60 cent, $6, 66 cent tier. Nobody. Please join if you're feeling evil enough. But if you're not evil enough, you can join Kenny Wymore at the $6.65 almost evil tier. At the $5.99 nice price tier, we have Fielding Fowler and Dr. Jill Brees. At the $5 moneylender tier, Greg Sealby, John Convery, Arthur Smith, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Almond, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Will Porter, and, of course, Zwapper, the Electric Alchemist. Then at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Anton Glaving, Andrew Meyer, Duncan Leesk, and Stuart McCord. Sipping his whiskey by the fire, but I bet he could not listen to his uh, vinyl copies of all this stuff first. He's going to have to hear it here first. Um, if you are interested in any of this stuff, I'll, of course, have links in the show notes to all of these um, all of these, uh, these covers, we got a couple more before we break up. Um, I keep saying break up. Why am I saying break up before we, before we end this know. episode? We're not breaking up the deep purple before podcast. We end our, we end our relationship and our, really our, our working relationship. Nate, you don't pay enough attention to me. <laughs> that that might be true. Much. <laughs> That's definitely true. <laughs> Mm. um (laughs) um okay so (laughs) you can't see him but he's looking away all in a huff (laughs) i'm looking away no you remember what did we do that we had that joke like no no it's 
It's fine. It's fine. No, it's fine. Uh, we used to do that when we were like, like really sh- when we were recording music. We'd do that too. Well, like you know, I could. <laughs> we were like disagreeing about like the way something should be EQ'd or something. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> No, but we're doing it as a joke, right? Like we're like, oh, this is this how this is how it would be if like if like uh, if it was like if I was like recording with my girlfriend. No, no, it's fine, fine. No, <laughs> yeah, no, we cue it that way. It's fine. I don't care. Okay, I, why would I care if there's uh, <laughs> any more reverb on that? I don't care. Um, okay. So n- next, yeah, up- no, boost the mids. No, whatever. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, you obviously know better. So. Um. <laughs> But uh, John, we're not done with our taste of Italy. There is still more to come. And next up, we have another Italian track, this time by an obscure Italian beat pop band. Um, And this single, uh, the band is called Vocals E, maybe? I don't know. I was really confused by how this was named. Um, But the song Mm -hmm. is... Quare Brucia, which I might be pronouncing wrong. If I was pronouncing it right, you'd probably get it. What's Italian for? Into the fire once again. (laughs) Another like, it's kind of like a little groovy version of it. And probably the, some of the better production we've heard so far. Oh, this is Italian. And it sounds so 60s. And he's rolling his R's. Oh, Yeah, no, this is just, like authentic Italian. They're not even singing it in English. <laughs> that's a, that's a kind of a in creative touch. <laughs> breathing his garlicky breath into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> How could you, Nate? How could you perpetuate that stereotype of us? <laughs> of us. <laughs> Breathing his garlicky breath. I hope my How mom doesn't listen. You. She will not take kindly to that. <laughs> yeah, neither will Pops. He's definitely not listening. Now, it's a podcast. How does that work? How do, <laughs> how do you how do you find it? How in do this? I get that on my phone? Am I am I on, am I am I podcasting yet? <laughs> no, never mind. My, t- my dad will still grab my phone and like be perplexed that it's locked. Hey, how do I get on this Hey, thing? how do you let, how do you get me in here? <laughs> it's weird how they threw that like they threw this little extended extended part into the into the uh into the chorus it's odd yeah 
That's 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 a little yeah, you know, that's a little different though. It's like it's cool. They put their own like thing out of it. Like, you know own... what's missing from the song? Instead yeah. of just saying into the fire, I just want to breathe into the microphone like three or four times. Whoa! All right, that, that was the quickest fade of the day. Very abrupt, yeah. So that was a uh, another Italian band. That was that was fun. That was a lot of that fun. Was fun. Yeah, I think that was one of the more fun ones. And I think the honestly, the production was really good. It just sounded, it sounded super. I mean, th this was a band that formed in the mid '60s, and it sounds like they were still in the mid '60s when they did this. And yeah, it's very easy to think that. Deep Purple could have sounded like that, you know, they they were still kind of formulating what their sound was going to be like, and they uh, went this really heavy direction on this album. And here are some bands interpreting yeah, well, it still I in mean, a real 60s style. Yeah, and I mean, um, uh, like we were saying before, uh, you know, it, 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 it just kind of not only make you appreciate, like, you know, the, the musicians and, and Martin Birch, um, you know, uh, producing, engineering, um, but it just shows you how kind of innovative they really were. Um, you know, because there's like so many bands out there and then it just kind of highlights like, this is why Deep Purple themselves like stood out, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but that being said, this version was really, I liked it because it was fun. It was good because it was like a really, it was an authentic version of, um, like a, just an authentic Italian song where they were just like recording it in their native language. And you know what I mean? It was, it was, um, you don't hear that every day. I feel like this um, could I have mean been like a, a, like a version of a rock song like that. If you'd heard this song, this version first as an Italian or wherever and, and heard this, the song and then not known until years later that it was a cover of a deep purple song. If you weren't familiar, it's kind of like the, like you might hear hush X number of times and not even know that oh that's actually not even their song it's a cover of someone else and it sounds it's right. got this different style to it and um that's kind of what i think of when i when i when i hear something like this like it could very well they they really made it the, their own and gave it that that kind of little bouncy boom 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 it's kind of bouncing along and um yeah. kind of made it made it a more fun song than it is you know, it's not, I wouldn't describe it as a, it's a great song. It's just not fun. And maybe it shouldn't be. Well, that's not for me to decide. Um, the last track I have um, before the one that didn't make it to me uh, in time. But maybe, you know what, if, we, if it comes in the next couple of days, maybe we can edit it into this episode. Not on YouTube, though. Sorry, if you're mm. watching on YouTube, I'm not going to edit the video in because that's just too much. But you can check. Either way, I'll have I'll, I'll put it on YouTube for folks to check out this song later. It's it's uh, just didn't arrive in time. It's it's a band called Psychotic Reaction. This might be the earliest ever cover by a Deep Purple by of a Deep Purple song. This is the one that didn't arrive. Uh, it's a cover of Mandrake Root. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a band called Average, oh, and they, for some reason or another, Psychotic Reaction released this single and just let Average put their <laughs> cover of Mandrake Root on it as well, which is very odd. Um, so I'd be really interested to hear that. It was released in 1968, so it's 
Um, I don't know of any cover of a Deep Purple song that's earlier than that. Um, well, there couldn't be anything earlier than 1968, um, but maybe something earlier than this point in 19, 1968. So uh, be very interested to hear that when it comes in. And if so, maybe we'll edit it in at the end of this episode. But um, for now, our final track is another early Deep Purple song. This one is called, um, well, depending on your version, it's either called Hard Road or Ring That Neck. And this is by a Japanese band hmm. called the Golden Cups. And this album is called Recital. It was recorded live at the Shibuya Concert Hall in 1969. They were a Japanese group that formed in 66, and they mostly covered U.S. and U.K. rock and blues songs. pretty good pretty good groove of this one yeah it's a little shorter than the live deep purple versions would have been around this time (laughs) they're like yeah organ solo Pretty good. He's rocking. <laughs> I love how they applaud when, <laughs> when the solos start. Sounds like that. Sounds like they keep swelling in some applause. I wonder if they're sweetening it up a little bit. I think the organ player had a leg up on the guitar guy. Mm-hmm. But Jorg sent this from some really obscure site, so I'll have to put the link in the show notes. But it was all everything was in Japanese, and you just, but you could just see the word like hard road. Yeah. It was like a Japanese version of YouTube, I guess. This is one of those songs that always kind of... uh, let, Let him go.
Just <laughs> watching your face. <laughs> well, he, he definitely captured early Richie. Well. In a sense. In, in a sense, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he, was, he definitely had seen early Richie do it, but didn't quite land it quite the same way. Yeah. Um that was interesting. Yeah, but I was I was have a hard time believing that Deep Purple wrote that song. Not not saying that I don't believe it, but it just seems so it just seems like a standard, you know, like something that would have been around, like something that it like when they played it in concerto, uh it it it, it sounded so perfect with like a big band behind it. It just seemed like it should have always been that way to me. That song has always just seemed like it, it stood out. You know, there's the whole melody of it and the well, whole I mean with it just feels like a, it feels like a bebopping kind of dance song, you know? It just doesn't It's just Well, it, with it, Richie's like history of stealing, who knows. That's true. I'm going to come up with some uh song from the the 50s that he lifted it off of. Yeah, who knows. But I mean, either that or I mean, it really just was that good, you know? Maybe that was the kind of lightning in a bottle type of thing oh, that yeah, I mean, he it's, came it's, up with at the time. It's a classic. It's 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 an excellent, excellent melody. There you have it. Mm -hmm. Maybe and maybe we'll have one more if uh, that record comes here in the next couple of days. If not, I'm just gonna send it. I'm gonna have to send this out to the presses to get them printed and sent to the podcast delivery services. All right, John. So here we are. It is two weeks later. We were getting ready to record this week's episode when what comes in the mail. But oh, it's actually behind me over there. I'm going to go grab it. So this is <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. the what is possibly the oldest or, or, or earliest possible um, cover of a Deep Purple song that I can find on record from 1968. It's called the Psychotic Reaction. But as, as Jorg told us, um, there was another band on here which contained uh, the same member as psychotic reaction that band was called average <laughs> and they're <laughs> not not really shooting for the stars there um but How they're the they? ones that <laughs> well you'll see maybe they were uh giving themselves a little too much credit um so this yeah martin ernst was the man who uh played organ in psychotic reaction but he was a vocalist in average and that's why there's both bands on here when they covered mandrake root but i can't find of it. if you know of one let me know I, I found this this is from a record store somewhere in i don't germ i guess it was from germany uh but jorg found it and said it was for like five dollars he said give it a shot it came a little late so here we are um switch this monitor over and we're gonna have a chance to listen to what is potentially one of the earliest covers of a Deep Purple song from 1968 by the band Average. And the song is... Ooh, here we go. Mandrake Root. Let's take a listen. Okay, so this is Mandrake Root, 1968 by the band Average. Here we go. You hear that okay? Sounds like it was recorded in a high school gym. So they made mention that they tried to clean this up for this release and it was 
obviously recorded with a lot of distortion on the tape that they couldn't get rid of when something's distorted that badly. So I guess imagine in 1968 having like really poor production quality. Even bands with great production quality didn't sound that great, so. I don't have to imagine the poor production quality. <laughs> yes. Come on, baby, now. Well, it's, a, it's interesting to think of what, what would... If there would possibly be any earlier recordings of Deep Purple covers than this. This might be anticlimactic after all the other covers we've heard in this episode, but. Yeah, the. Uh, singer's not that great. That's that's Martin Ernst, baby. Well, this is a pretty nice release. Comes with this huge printout it's just for the single but it's all written in german so i don't i can't wow. read it i sent it to Jorg and he asked if it was as bad as he thought it would be so now here's where i'm saying average might be a little bit generous It is funny how it's distorting all over the place. Just like an early... When I started recording and stuff, it was a common thing to just let things distort. Because you just weren't sure how to get levels correctly. <laughs> it does sound like they're... You said earlier it sounds like they're in a, like a high school gymnasium. Yeah. Sounds like they're on the opposite end of a high school gymnasium. And like, you know what? Let's mic everything up like on the other end of the gym. Yeah, put the, we'll put the mics like 400 feet let's, away. Let's put it. <laughs> let's put it as far away from the band and the instruments as possible. Really makes you appreciate the original. Yeah. Now I don't know what Martin Ernst. I actually, I think I saw something about what did he go on to do. I mean, it, it kind of makes you appreciate the production on the first Deep Purple album, you're just kind of like, oh, I guess it wasn't that bad. This is very true. <laughs> I just searched for Martin Ernst. But I mean, also is psychotic reaction. You know? The first thing that came up was Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Austrian, German. Psychotic reaction. I kind of get it. Usually Google's pretty, but uh, that's uh, that is 
as far as I can tell, the earliest cover of a Deep Purple song. And uh, I don't know. What did you think of that? <laughs> what did you think of that, John? Mm. I mean, it wasn't that good. No, it was I mean, terrible. not even like if you just take away the quality of the <laughs> if you take away the quality of the recording. I mean, it's like. I mean, it, it just wasn't that interesting anyways. I mean, obviously, you know, we know how good, um, you know, Richie and John and Ian are and, you know, um, even even that early on. I mean, it's like wasn't the best of Deep Purple stuff. But I mean, if you're comparing it to this, like, you know, there's there's a reason they went on to do better. It's true. Do more. Um it was kind of an un, uh, uninspired version of it. Like I said, but like recording quality, notwithstanding, because you can't really yeah, just the, the, see past it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's very hard in this case to look past the production. But when you do, it's yeah, it's obviously it sounds like they had rehearsed it two or three times and just jumped right into it. So. And guys like Drake, you know, it's like, oh, could you sound any more bored? <laughs> Right. All right. Well, that's that's the final the final cover. We'll leave it at that. Oh yeah, there's some uh, something a little different. Uh, if you have any other early deep covers of Deep Purple songs, you got to let us know because I find it really fascinating to think of to to hear some of these songs so that were recorded so soon, so early into Deep Purple's career and just hearing these interesting takes on them is pretty, pretty cool. Even when the, the sound quality is maybe not a hundred percent, it's still fun to think that they were making a, a huge impact and getting people to, to try to copy them so early on. I'd like to hear some Mark three and Mark four. Yes. Well, we'll have to have a, a follow up um, episode. Those will be a little, um, Obviously, finding modern day covers or covers from shortly after this is easy. But um, finding well, back some... when we did our uh, Van Halen episode, you know, those were those were some examples of uh, rare covers. So we already heard some. Yeah. Which was really cool. But it would be cool to hear some other ones. Yeah, it'd be great to hear something Same that was name. some like early to mid 70s covers of Mark three or something. Um, mm hmm. But hey, before we, uh, before we, uh, before we, I was going to say break up again. What is, why, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep saying break up? I feel like I I've know. never what's, said that before, but it's like just, up there? it's just in my brain tonight. Um, before we mm. call it a night, uh, we do have to, of course, do one more thing. And that's thanking our foundation mm -hmm. level patrons. Fine. <laughs> John, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Thank your patrons. They're, they're that important to you. Um, nope, thank they, you, patrons. Go go to your precious patrons. But you know what? The patrons are that important to me. And of course, who could be more important than the creative minds behind uh, the foundation level? And that, of course, starts with none other than Elle's Murders, Spacey Noodles, The Loose Fitting Leaky Mausoleum, Michael Vader, Stephen Somerville, The Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Raph Calf, Spike the Rock Cat, JJ Stenard, and of course, Hank the Tank. We wouldn't be complete without Hank. Thank you to all of your, all of you wonderful, wonderful uh, patrons. We appreciate it. And I can't remember. Who's Hank? The I can't tank remember. Again? If he, did we, maybe I forgot. I can't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before. But he was. He came in as as um, Hans, 
and didn't get back to me in time about if he wanted oh. a silly made up name. So he made up a silly made up name, and that's Hank the Tank. Okay, so. there we go. All right, no, I don't think you said that. So that's uh, yeah, but but I. Yeah, like Hank it. the Tank. I think I think he got back to me like right after we finished recording the last episode, so I couldn't um, uh, couldn't get it out in time. I had already sent the uh, masters to be reproduced. Could not could not stop it. Um, but yeah, another like like promised. We're actually getting pretty good at promising shorter episodes, and uh, we'll be at back at you next week with actually what should be another shorter episode. But then we get a pretty monster episode prepared after that. So for those of you that are saying, "Ah, oh, what the hell? These this is supposed to last me X number of commutes or this many minutes of." dishwashing um we'll be we'll be returning to form with some longer form episodes as well buckle up buckle up for album review to be named later so but there's a there's a if you've been paying attention you probably know or have an idea of some of the albums that could be coming up so um excited to to dive into some some more classics with you all. So this is the, this is also the first episode we've done with this new, well, with half of our new setup. So if you have any feedback about how that worked, video or audio, let us know. Cause um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, I'm, I was kind of fumbling around tonight with all the different screens and everything. So hopefully it came out. Okay. And uh, we'll just get that much more practice for next week. All right, Johnny boy. I'll talk to you later. No, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's fine. Just go. Just leave. Play with your friends. Just leave. Go out with your fucking friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. You got more jazz superstars on the way, folks. Gooey Martin, Willie Mims, Drop Jaws Turner, Sketch Friendly, Tootsie Childs, Sammy Biltmore, No Talent Jones, Anwar Benitez, Bossy Marmalade, Bad Check Mazursky, Ray Ray Takamura, Shaky Premise, Bootsy Crouton, Richard Sakai, The Premarital Sextet, CSI Miami, DW Jitters, The Chub Group, Cantaloupe St. Pierre, and many, many more funny names. <laughs>